paid is a really good channel, right? Paid search marketing and more aware of the search marketing. Social ads work amazingly well. I've seen great things with social ads as well. Paid works extremely well, right? And paid is a very important channel. I think every business doing digital marketing should have a paid advertising channel and leverage it to the best of their possibilities. This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. This is episode 918. Today we're chatting about SEO. We've brought along our special guest, Gert Malek from seoleverage.com. Welcome back, Gert. Hi, James. Thank you. Love chatting SEO. You've been on this show many, many times. You're the guy in our SEO corner, helping lots and lots of my clients. You help us. Uh, Of course, it's a bit of a a minefield when it comes to SEO. I've been in this industry for a long time now, as you have actually been a lot longer than I have. And one of the biggest problems we're having, and it's, it's kind of parallels what's going on in society at the moment, is it's kind of hard to know exactly where to get your information from. And it's also hard to know what is actually accurate or not accurate, unless you go out there, of course, and then, you know, in an ideal world, you'd have multiple test sites, and then you could try different methodologies and see which one works. That's what we used to do with the SEO business that I had. Mm. We did lots of research and development. Then, of course, you've got people who are good at sales and marketing, but may not be actually good at the technical thing. And so you give them the money, but you don't get the results. Then you've got really good technical people who don't know how to market or sell themselves. So they're kind of like a secret and they might be doing good work, but you'll never hear about them. Now, I'd like to think you're one of those people with great technical ability who also has an affinity for being able to communicate the value of what you're doing. But more importantly, let's talk about getting the right information and what's actually effective so that we don't lose our SEO budget. We're not wasting money. Absolutely. It is so important. Every day I have conversations with clients where they tell us, look, we came across this piece of information. We had read this article. Someone told us this. I saw a reel where someone in 15 seconds told us what we should do, etc. And this all sounds really nice. And it sounds like a quick win. And it sounds like just yesterday, even in an SEO mastermind, I'm a part of two different SEO masterminds to always make sure that we have the latest information. Even in, in the mastermind, we had a guy raise an issue which sounded like it too good to be true. <laughs> we obviously, everybody's going to test it on this mastermind, but it's just, just to make sure that we absolutely know it's just not working. There is no quick fix. And even if there was a quick fix, it's not going to be a quick fix for every single website. So even what I talked here about on the podcast about is not going to be the best possible solution for every single website. We talked last time about Shopify sites. You can't apply something from Shopify and you hear this maybe in an e-commerce context to a membership website or an online course. So you really, really need to make sure that first of all, the information comes really from a trusted source and you probably want to contrast it. And second, that this actually information that's applicable to you in your particular situation. It's not the same thing dealing with a new site that's just starting out with SEO or if you deal with a site like yours with thousands of articles, right? Things change drastically. It's true. Like I've got so much content that making Google try and crawl it all and they just say, no, we don't want it. So no one even looks at this thing. We're not going to keep crawling that one or give it so much weight. So if you have a lot of content, you're going to have a different methodology. And if you've got no content, which is something you and I were talking about a bit earlier, I've got a new site, a personal brand, which has no content. And the whole goal of that site is a different goal than the goal of super fast business. 
as it would be different if I had an e-commerce store. And then, of course, you've got different platforms that people are using. So as with all advice, you have to make it relevant and specific to the problem at hand. And of course, we can't all go and attend SEO masterminds. Actually, here's a little funny backstory for you. I met Ezra Firestone through an SEO mastermind. That was our original introduction. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. So great networking and great to get in it. But of course, the average business owner is trying to deal with all these other things. They're trying to decide, you know, who their customers are, what they're going to offer their customers, which marketing channels they want to use, whether they're doing paid or organic. They've got to hire a team. They've got to manage all sorts of other stuff, basic things, where to host their website, how to get the money, Mm -hmm. staying alive from competitors, you know, continually working on their capacities. There's all this other stuff. We can't go to a mastermind for every one of those. We need trusted advisors. So I guess what you're saying is whenever we see this new bit of information or this new snippet, we can't just automatically accept that that is the way. We might want to validate or verify somehow or get tapped into a source that has a consistent ability to deliver a result over the long term. So what about how do we know what the right place to go to would be for our particular situation? Because I imagine there's, there's SEO tools, they all publish content. There's SEO forums, they all publish content. But it, it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. I think you really need to find someone you trust, right? who can guide you and who understands what you actually want to achieve. I think this is a very important point. So when a client comes in, we have a couple of calls. I have a couple of calls with every new client. And the first call is only about who they want to reach and how we are going to define a conversion. These are the two points we define on the first call because the conversion is really important because I I couldn't care less about traffic if it doesn't convert on the website and those people don't do what I expect them to do, which is check out my products, get on my mailing list, reach out to me, behave in a certain way where we can track this as a conversion because we think this is a really interested user about to take action. Then we can check where do those come in and we can optimize, right? So you really want to make sure that whoever you trust, you want to find someone who spends the, the day with SEO, I think, and you actually trust and you know has an overview about different industries, works with different people in different industries to just know what is going on. And it's not the same thing doing SEO in Italy or the United States or Australia. So sometimes you find someone who's really good in SEO in Italy, but have no idea how things work in Austria and Germany, right? It's just the way it is. So we are lucky to work with people from all over the world. I work SEO in three different languages. So we have a very good overview. We know which kinds of things are similar. We know when to dive in deeper because Australia and the UK behave differently in search. And ultimately... Once you find someone who knows what you try to achieve, they're going to be able to then assess whether certain tactics make sense even to try or can be ruled out completely. What if you're already deep down the path? You've already been there, you've found the person, you're doing the stuff, you've made investments and you've got things set up, but you're not getting the result. I imagine there is a sense of frustration and pain, but also this prospect that you might have to do rework or admit that you're not getting the results you want. What advice would you have for that person? It's definitely a, a big reluctance. And we see this when we talk with clients who say, look, we have been doing SEO with an agency for two, three years. We just took over a project from exactly a client like this, where they said, look, we have the process. My team works with that agency and we follow everything they do, etc." We took this project over and turned it around in four months, right? 
because we just have a different approach. This doesn't mean we're much better than everybody else, but I think we do. It sounds like you're much better than everyone else. <laughs> I think we are much better in identifying what they want to achieve. Uh-huh. So that's, that's right? the bottom line. It's like, what do you want to achieve? Will you tell someone if what they want to achieve is probably not the right thing they should be wanting to achieve? Yes. Right. Because does that come up very often? It comes up sometimes. I had a discussion literally two hours ago with a client where I told them, look, I have no data to back up that your plan makes sense. And I want them to test it before we spend more money on SEO, on reaching out to sites to get links, on creating content. So they are now going to run an ads campaign, uh, a Google ads campaign specifically in order to inquire more information about whether the, key- the keywords they want to rank for are actually going to convert and bring in the right type of client. And once this is confirmed, we're going to go back to SEO and continue the process. So I was very, I had, essentially it was me calling in the meeting because in one of my analysis rounds, I just came across data that just went in a completely different direction. And we point this out and we talk about it because ultimately I know I have lost clients where we brought them to position one and didn't make a sale. <laughs> so I don't want to do this again because it's a big achievement and then you lose the client. And just because you probably, they said, this is our goal. We need you to do this. And then you said, done. And we'd get it happening. And then they're not happy. It's a really big issue because many times the keywords people want to rank for are ego-driven. Yes. Right? I would love to rank for SEO. You type in SEO and SEO leverage comes up, this would be my dream. But I know exactly that I probably wouldn't get a single conversion out of it. Right. Because it's just too general. We don't know what people want when they type in SEO. Not even Google knows what they want. So they're going to come up with all kinds of different search results. Right? And this is where we help clients and say, look, your ideal client, as we understand them, and I literally explain this back to them, I understand that you want to reach such and such person, which is 65 plus and lives in America and is male. And this person is going to do these kinds of searches and they should come across your site. This is correct. Yes, this is correct. Good. So then we are on the same page. And then I can make sure that everybody on my team who's going to work, including me on this project, has a full understanding of what we are trying to achieve. And I think this is then really what separates an agency that's going to act in your best interest from an agency where you're just one more project and they just apply their standard procedure to everybody the same way. Now, you've spoken to lots of people, you've you've audited plenty of accounts and you would have a general sense of what sort of things people are doing that would be a complete waste of money. Do you want to go through a couple of them? Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is really interesting because we come across these all the time. Right. So the first one, for example, is that we see people spend hours and weeks and months and years writing content and then come to us and say, look, I have all this content and literally clients with 1500 different articles and they don't rank for anything. We had a client go through their own work of eight years with 900 different articles and I just asked her to identify what is every single article answering in terms of like a search possible search, what is the answer, what is this explaining or who, which user is this going to help? And she just came back and said, look, throw it all away. This was the work of eight years, 900 articles thrown away. Why? Because she never took into account that people who search for something need an answer. So it's not enough that you know you're the best in your industry and you share your knowledge and you just share this with the world. It's not enough for SEO. It might work amazingly on social media. I'm not an expert there, but it's definitely sharing experience is going to get a lot of attention there. But Google wants to solve problems and problems are not solved by someone sharing their general experience. Problems are solved because we address the issue and give them a solution. We provide a quick win. So if they'd actually imagine someone sitting at the computer and saying, 
out loud, what am I typing in to what problem am I typing into Google for mm-hmm. it to answer me? They've never actually been through that process. Absolutely not. They just, they just they look and I know a lot about SEO and I can talk about SEO for years <laughs> without any doubt, <laughs> probably too much. It's very different when I talk about uh, what I know about Shopify SEO, yeah. for example, or I write an article that says how uh, three things you need to do in order to get your products ranking better. Right? This is a very specific problem. So in this particular podcast, we'll be addressing the problem of people who are wasting budget on SEO, like how to avoid losing money, mm-hmm. you know, spending money on the wrong things. It's like someone renovating a house and spending the money on the parts of the house that add no value to it or the people, buyers of, of the house are not interested in. Like, for example, if you put a helipad on the top of a suburban house <laughs> where you're not allowed to fly a helicopter, yep. that would be a complete waste of money. Because no one could even use it. Like it'd just be an ego play. Hey, we have a helipad. Cool. Do you have a helicopter? No, we're not allowed to fly it here, but we have a helipad. <laughs> so maybe they'd rather spend the money on a kitchen or um, you know, bathrooms and, and an entertainment room. Exactly. What what other mistakes are you seeing people make when it comes to where they're wasting their budget? I think the second biggest mistake is that they don't establish relation between different articles. And what I mean by this is that they are really focused on this add new post that WordPress tells you to do, to click and you add a new post and you spend a day writing this article or even longer, or you have someone maintaining this for you, or you add like a, another episode of your podcast, your video, your YouTube channel or whatever to your website. And then this article sits isolated on the website. And what this means is when you Google and you're a machine, you scan this article, you say, yeah, okay, this article is about, I don't know, how to optimize your investment in digital marketing or whatever it is, and that's fine. But Google can only understand this up to a certain extent without context. So the problem, the big problem with artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms is that they're really, really dumb unless they have a lot of context, right? right? The more context an artificial intelligence algorithm has, and we can, we can see this today with tools like Jarvis that create content with an AI engine, they're going to ask you for a lot of things to produce the first piece of text, right? And then when they run out of context, you need to continue writing a sentence or two so they know where this is going to go. And then the AI can go in again. Imagine this from Google's perspective, you see an article without any context whatsoever. They can grasp the main concepts, but they don't really know a relation. But what happens, or what we try to do then is that we bring articles in context with, with each other. And if there is an article about email marketing and they link this to an article about subject lines, Google can understand that email marketing and subject lines are two concepts that are related to each other. So suddenly, Google is going to find variations where people search for email marketing subject lines and can rank this email marketing article. And they're going to relate subject lines and open rates because this is related to the other one. So suddenly, the same article starts ranking for tons and tons of keywords. And we're talking thousands thousands of keywords an article can rank for on different positions. And then you have a lot of data to work with for the ongoing optimization. I suppose over time, if you had related articles, you would have opportunities to then link between them. For example, where we publish this post, we'll more than likely link back to our SEO series with Gap Mm -hmm. and we'll cluster all of those SEO discussions together. So this internal linking might be a clue. If you've got nothing to internally link to, you may not have related articles or enough context. Are these things interrelated? 
absolutely, absolutely. The internal linking structure is really, really important and is one of the main things we work with our clients on, on every single project. And there is another point that's automatically related. And this is that links essentially indicate importance and authority. So one article linking to another one tells the machine and the user that this other one is very relevant. It is essentially the authority on a certain topic. So if we talk about SEO and this talked about this article about the SEO series, so Google can understand there is a relation, right? And they can understand that this SEO series that's being linked on your site from multiple different areas seems to be a really important article. So we very often in our app, we call this page importance. So we calculate the page importance of individual pages. And very often you're going to find that when pages don't do well, their importance is lower. And what this means for Google is that not even the website itself thinks this article is important. Why should I rank it? And on the flip side, if you want to rank something, make sure that you and your website link to it from different relevant contexts to show on your site that it's important. It's not enough to have it somewhere in the menu, in the header, and the footer. Use it from the content perspective and Google is going to automatically figure out that this is one cornerstone piece of your site you actually want to run. Now, it's hard to have an SEO discussion without talking about people away from your site linking to content too to show that it's authority. I remember mm -hmm. hearing this is like a, a voting system. If you went and mm -hmm. asked 10 different websites, hey, what's a good source of information for SEO? And they all point back to this discussion with Get then that would be a vote for that article and might help it outrank another post somewhere else that doesn't have 10 votes for it. Is it as simple as that? It used to be as simple as that many, many years ago. I've been doing SEO for too many years. It's more complex, but at the heart of Google's algorithm, this game is still about links, yeah. right? Links transferring authority from one page, not site, but page, to another page. Google went, got big because they figured out this page rank algorithm where one page transferred authority to another one. And Google, just by assessing how the links were pointing from one site to another one and taking into account a few key sites that are really, really trusted sources, they figured out that this is a very good criteria to rank websites. Back in the days, I'm saying 15 years ago, we had proposal inquiries where people asked us for 500 links to their website yeah. because their competitors had 300 links and they knew that if they had 200 more, they were on top for a while, right? These days, it's all about relevance. Right. You could have 500 irrelevant links and be outranked by a site that has one really relevant one. So you want to make, you want the, those links, you want other people backing you up, endorsing you in a certain context, referring to you as an authority, but you want them to be relevant. So there's no point getting a, an uh, all site-wide footer link from a pool servicing forum for your SEO business or your, um, you know, something that's completely unrelated business, you know, an e-commerce store for Absolutely. hairbrushes. It's just so it's relevant. And it's also, I imagine, the potentially things like the placement of the link or the attribute to the link and what kind of site it's linked from. Mm -hmm. Would, you know, a link from a um, Harvard be worth more than a link from a local grocery store, for example? Depends on the project. So a local grocery store can be really relevant if you're a local car repair shop, right? This is why I say advice needs to be seen in the context of the corresponding project, right? The best thing you could do could be that you partner up with a local school and do some open day about you and let students come to your place and or to your company and, and try your tools or whatever it is, and then get a report on the school's blog because it's just so hyper locally relevant mm. and 
most of your searches are going to have local intent. This could be the best thing you could do. We used to actually market to the local schools at uh, the Mercedes-Benz dealership I worked at. Mm-hmm. We used to take advertising in the local school makes total sense. newspaper because all the parents at the school, they drive cars and, and they're in the local area. So I can see how this works in the online space. So hyper-local relevancy mm-hmm. would help a local business. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. External links just really matter. Just make sure that they're relevant. What about when we're thinking of our page and the way we want to lay it out? There used to be stuff like, you know, the first part of the page, the middle part and the end part of the page. And I remember it made a difference mm-hmm. where you put links. And I wonder what the best practice is these days and in general terms. Mm-hmm. We have certainly still content layout as one of the most important analysis points. And this is something that changes a lot over the years, right? I remember a client coming in with a big graphic drop, I think two years and a half or so, three years ago. And the only thing we did after they dropped after an update was really to rearrange how they presented every every site, trying to push the relevant content to the top and taking a little bit, what kind of content do pages start with that rank really, really well? So it's always reverse engineering of what works essentially and applying the patterns you can identify But if you imagine a few years ago, we had like these full screen images and videos on the homepage or on every page on top and you had to scroll down. There was an arrow you clicked and then you could scroll down and read the content. But it was really important that there was a huge animation and this looked really, really good for branding purposes. It just didn't rank, right? But And it ranked even worse maybe a few years later, right? So if you didn't adapt your website to what people want, Google is just not going to rank Right? Google just is based on user signals. Google wants to make users happy and users are not going to be happy with the same thing today as they were four years ago or even six months ago in some niches. Nice. So what about um, images? We used to put the you know name images correctly and put alt text, alternative text for, I think it was for usability mm-hmm. reasons, but do they still help? We're not, not so big on names, to be honest, anymore, because very often the systems, the CMS you use might change the name, depends on what you're using. Well, we used to manually change them, but like even as simple as when I take pictures for my team of uh, surfboards, mm-hmm. you know, in my research and development that I do, and I load it up for the team to put on our website, I always name the image the same as the board mm-hmm. so that it's very clear. In so Firstly, it's easy for us to manage our files, but it's also when they load it up, mm-hmm. it's going to go up there with that exact name of the product. So it's extremely accurate. And we do get a stack of search volume mm-hmm. for products. Yeah. So it seems to work pretty well, and especially the image search. Yeah, definitely the first step. I think it depends on the industry you're in. There, are, If you're in B2B, you probably can put less emphasis on the image search. But if you're if you're in any interior design or technological space, et cetera, many, many people search through image search, or then you have essentially what they call universal search, which is where you have your search results, but Google embeds images, embeds videos. Google gets its context, again, in this case, from the image alternative text and the names and the surrounding text. So if you're in an industry where image search is big, you want to pay special attention to these kinds of things, especially e-commerce is, for example. Yeah, e-commerce. That's a classic where every e-commerce store has the exact same product description. I noticed this when I search for surfboard fins or even when the resellers, this is what they do. A lot of them running their business off Instagram and they cut and paste the manufacturer's product description off the website and Mm -hmm. e-commerce stores replicate the manufacturer's product 
So there's literally like a thousand instances of the exact same word. I could tell you the word for word product description from the surfboard shapers of a lot of the surfboards because they just get replicated. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the main things we did is provide original verbiage for each board. And we rank, we outrank the manufacturer for lots of their own boards because we actually have a, the only unique description. Yeah. It makes total sense. This happens, happens all the time. It's so common. It happens all the time. It is. Yeah, people just don't go this extra mile because I think the main assumption is that they have to do this for every single product instead of just figuring out of all the products they want to have on their store, which ones are the 20, 50 most important ones and do it for those. For a start, they would already get much better results. Let's talk about the interplay then between paid and organic because this is one thing I see. There's a potential that people are putting up with substandard SEO because they've been lumped into an all-in-one agency who might have originally been their source for paid traffic and then they're getting a little add-on for SEO, but it might be average at best, let's say. Let's be kind. So they might be, they may not be looking at these as individual slices of the pie. They might be looking at the whole thing, but maybe they're not getting as much impact as possible. But I just want you to speak to the relationship between organic versus paid because most business owners are going to have some combo or should have some combination of this. I think paid is a really good channel, right? Paid search marketing and more aware of the search marketing. Social ads work amazingly well. I've seen great things with social ads as well. Paid works extremely well, right? And paid is a very important channel. I think every business doing digital marketing should have a paid advertising channel and leverage it to the best of their possibilities. But ultimately, you, you're going to be depending on high advertising costs, depending on the season of the year. Last quarter, everybody knows pricing is extremely high, doesn't necessarily compensate in January because people might not have money to actually invest <laughs> again to buy again. So even if the ads costs are low, it might not be compensating again. So we get a lot, a lot of those people who come in and say, look, we have this paid channel and it works really well. We grow the business, we get clients, et cetera. But we would like to lower the average cost per sale, the average cost per lead by adding an organic traffic pillar that actually works. So it shouldn't be like just something that we, we tick a few boxes on an SEO plugin. We really want the strategy behind it. We are in there for the long run and we want to build something up and we want to know that if something happens to our ad account, People are still going to find us for our product. And this was a big awakening with the pandemic, for example, where people suddenly had their Facebook ads account not returning the normal ROI anymore because people were crazy and didn't know where to find toilet paper. Right? Oh, it's like panic. People like, my ads have stopped converting. I Absolutely. get this all the time. My ads have stopped converting. The world is caving in. And I'm like, Wait. remember that boring sort of thing in the background, SEO, that no one's talking about since 2005 well that's still a thing i think more than ever because we have seen this can happen it can happen that tracking messes up your data and your normal formulas you use to estimate the return on investment on facebook we have seen facebook go away for a day we have seen other issues as well and we have seen prices rising as google wishes i, I think they, they made like 30 percent or 40 percent more money this year than last year just from advertising spend not necessarily only about because of more competition probably, right? So you have a huge dependency. It's great when it's great, but God, it's bad when it's bad. Like I stopped running ads again with Facebook because someone hacked my ad manager's account and they started running ads for Persian rugs or something and, and racked up thousands of dollars on my account. 
They were reluctant to refund it. It took a lot of follow-up, like weeks, and a lot of con- it was a lot of energy burn for something silly that clearly they'll ban my ads for trying to give away my free book, but they're happy to let this Persian rug guy run the ads. Like it's this high octane. You need to really be on it if you're doing paid. And I, I think paid is an essential part of most people's recipe. Mm-hmm. But what I really want to highlight is how good SEO is. It's just drama-free. Post good stuff. Let's summarize it in just two sentences from all the stuff we've talked about. If you're spending money on SEO, what would be the guiding North Star philosophies? Two points. Give me two points. Create content with an intent to serve the search user. Yep. Is number one. And number two is be consistently executing the right things over time. And how do we know what the right things are all, all the time? I imagine you come in with some kind of solution mm-hmm. here, Gap. <laughs> with a trusted partner, right? It's it's just really hard. Like you do with us. This got so specialized. So so I can't be an expert in everything. So you really want to have someone who you trust and who has like some sort of proven framework or system that works and keeps the momentum going. Yeah. Not everything is going to be an upwards trend. There are going to be drops, but you want someone who has a system in place to get those things back on track. Well, that's where you come in at seoleverage.com. You've got your Erica framework. You've got your app that tracks all this stuff and you do little updates for my team telling exactly what to do and we get the results. So I'm super grateful for that, of course, as always. Get. Thank you for coming along and sharing this. This episode's going to be up at position 918 if you want to go back through the transcript. If you're wasting money with SEO at the moment, get in touch with Get. Ask his team to review your campaign. Or if you're not sure, ask them to review your campaign. They do have an audit service. It's amazing. Then you'll know exactly where you stand and where you want to go from there. Uh, I'll catch you in a future episode. Thank you so much, James. This is James Schramko. 